today. <coughs> Disney, the numbers are in. Ohio prosecutor tells it like it is. Conservatives are getting extra guests for Christmas. <laughs> and we're going to talk about crucifying the flesh. All this and more on the Self-Evident Podcast. Welcome, one and all, to the Self-Evident Podcast. What's up? You got Mike. You got Massey. No, you don't. They're, they're, it's, we, that's because they ain't paying attention. They're going to get fired. On top they're gonna of They're going to get it. fired. <laughs> Anyways, welcome. Thank you so Kinda much for joining two us. Two-bit organization is this. Yeah, we're, we're two-bit. By the way, <laughs> make sure to make a year-end donation. To this two-bit. To this two-bit operation. We're Bush League, <laughs> but we're doing it well. We're doing the best we can with what we got. It may be your, twine, your but it's the best twine. Us. Yeah, it, it may be twine, but it's the best twine and duct tape you you can Man, find. I'll tell you, this jalopy will drive, buddy. Bro, I tell you what, we spend the buck and then we turn it over to spend the other side, buddy. We 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 know what we're doing. Your, your dollar goes exponential. It does, and trust me, it do. Yeah, we, we stretch it, it's, fold it. It's crazy looking at our budget it. and going. How did we do all that with I this? Did, I do that. I, I look at how did like, we do that? We are efficient. We really are. Like we don't we don't take in more than we spend, and we don't spend more than we take in. And we work our that. butts off. One time, that that one we don't. When we went to the Caicos, Turks and Caicos. I mean, I'm kidding. We never went to the Turks and Caicos. Don Perion and I don't even know what that is or where that is. Cake, I should say cake. I don't know. Cake. 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 We've bought turkeys and cake. We we've bought turkeys and cake with your money. <laughs> Not really. No. <laughs> Anyways, so we all that being said, we do that? give. We do give from yeah. We, and that's, the ministry that's pretty cool. That's one of the things that that we've got the heart to do is is give to other ministries to provide to other ministries. We want to support other ministries, and, and we've had people who wanted to start other ministries, so we're providing. Help, help, wisdom, in time of need, guidance, open doors, anything we can do, and we want to further that because we're all working together. So, Mary Chrysler, that's <laughs> <laughs> probably my favorite vine of all time. Is that one? And if you don't know what we're talking about, just search Mary Chrysler on YouTube. You'll get the video, and you'll find it, and you'll find it, and it's it's funny. It's good. Anyways, go to the self Get yourself some merch. Get a T-shirt. Get a book, get a constitution course, start the new year with your constitution course. Be ready for all those people who don't understand how the constitution works, but that's okay because we're going to learn them something. All right, game on. Here we go. Disney, the numbers are in. Disney, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) I want to make a connection. I don't know how, but I like it. You got to say, time for the news, and then he hits that. So we'll redo it. Time for the news. Oh, I forgot to tell you, Joe finished a, a news bit stinger, so I got to show it to you. Oh, sweet. So, anyways, sorry, Joe. <laughs> Very delayed. Our uh, bad. Disney is performing great, except for the fact that they're in last place with all the others. And uh, show the slide. Can you show the slide? Can I just, and Massey, you don't know what I'm talking about. We'll I show don't. it to you after. But can you just. Notice how awkward Brie Larson looks in that picture. Am I right? She looks super awkward in that picture. All the ladies look kind of arrogant. Anyways, Disney is feeling it after a tough year. The numbers are in. Disney was the worst major studio this year. Yay! Only Paramount, Sony, Universal, Warner Brothers, Apple, and Lionsgate took in higher scores. So that leaves Disney. (laughs) What did Bob Iger think about 2023? In a fit of rational clarity, he said, one of the reasons I believe it's fallen off a bit is that we're making too much. I think when it comes to creativity, quality is crucial, of course, and quantity in many ways can destroy quality. Storytelling obviously is the core of what we do as a company. The dumbest thing. (laughs) And I agree. Quantity can destroy quality. But, But the product... 
is not what people want. Well, way to go. Tell your investors that because yeah. that's what they want to hear. Don't you love how he steered 50 miles wide of the reason everybody else is going, <laughs> we know why you're in last place. No, no, it can't be it. It's quantity. It's all quantity. Dude, and they brought this guy back to rectify the ship. And it's I like, know. you're not doing the best job I right know. now. So. It was like, he's, he's like, he's better than the other guy, but that's kind of like, Taco Bell replacing Taco John's. Like, oh, that's a tough at the end comparison. of the day, Taco that John's toilet still gets Olet. blown up. <laughs> Doesn't matter how it happens. I was going a way different direction than you were. That was good, though. That was really good. But if y'all ain't had Taco John's potato oles, you ain't had nothing. Oh, dude. When I was in North Dakota, that was all we had was Taco John's. And I, I had a name for it that I won't repeat on podcast, but you know. That's where I went. It was Taco John's. Listen, we know we don't know what's in it, but we know it tastes really good. Exactly. It's the effect. We all know what's going to happen when we're done. <laughs> we're almost willing to sacrifice that for that momentary indulgence. But the people in general are stepping away from that indulgence and forsaking Disney. You like how I did that? I did because the toilet got blowed up too much. Yep, they're done with it. They're like, I'm sick of (laughs) sitting on the crapper for two hours (laughs) through this junk. I'm going to go watch a Lionsgate movie. That's right. Anyways, moving on. Apple something. Ohio prosecutor, she's kind of my hero at this point. She thumbs her nose at California. She didn't even name California, but I thought this was kind of a thumb at them. A store manager just got indicted for shooting a thief as he ran away. And you're thinking, okay, well, how does a prosecutor... Just wait. If you shoot someone when they're running away, you're going to have a bad day. Of course. Now, she said, there's simply no justification for shooting at someone as they are running away. But then she said, however, I want to make perfectly clear, these retail thefts will not be tolerated. If you try to rob a store, you should expect to get shot. Woo! I think she's friends with that Florida sheriff who is like, you're going to get shot if you break into our houses. Now, this store owner is on trial and facing life in prison because he was a felon who wasn't supposed to have a firearm, shot the kid when he was running away, and tried to cover the whole thing up. No defense of the store owner. He should go to trial. This should be a case. Frankly, if all of that is true, he should get convicted. But what I love is this prosecutor, a prosecutor... Right. Actually stood up and said, if you rob a store, don't be surprised if you get shot. Yeah, and that brings up a, a, a huge question as to what rights are given to people. Like, so they're, they're store owners, and he shouldn't have covered it up. I don't know the whole story. Yeah, really. I don't either. But a store owner can open a store legally, right, even as a convicted felon, but can't protect a store? Right. So it's tricky, right? I mean, you got to be careful of how... And I, I think so, for this, so not- this case, is, what they're saying is the guy was running away when he shot him, which I can understand to a certain... Yes, I can understand to a certain extent that whole concept of your life is not in danger anymore, so don't take that life. Now, the other part of it is, what is the, the reasonable and justified punishment? Course of action for... For some recourse, we should right, say. Right, right. Like defending property, pro- it should be a severe consequence 100%. for a person who tries to, uh, how do I want to say it? They're, they're, they're trespassing yeah. on somebody's property, yeah. not just walking across it. They're, they're trying to take it. They're trying to steal from somebody else. If property is is a massive value in our lives, which, and I stand by, property is defended by righteousness. Property is defended by the Ten Commandments, because it would not say thou shalt not steal unless property was righteous. God would not have a command about it if property were not a righteous thing to own. So therefore, how do you defend a righteous thing, right? You can oh, well, it says not to kill. But there is a defense that needs to happen of that property because look what's happening in California. Right. I can take whatever I want. Nobody will do anything. You've just destroyed rule of law because 
people now know they can victimize other people without consequence. Truth. And I think consequence is a big driver of, eh, should I go steal? No, I could lose my life for this pack of cigarettes. Maybe I won't. (laughs) You know, like, severe, but severity helps prevent. Exactly. No, and it, it, I just, I'm I'm going back to the original. I think you're right. That prosecutor saying, look, this isn't going to be tolerated. Good for you. That's how it should be. Thank you. It's not going to be tolerated, dude. Your crap is not going to be tolerated here. Stop it. You know, and if you get shot, dang. Sorry. I mean, that's not even sorry. I mean, what do you, what did you expect was going to happen when you went in there? That's, and the, I think... How stupid. I think way too often, especially today in America... America. There is, there's no thought of consequence because there's so little consequence very, to an action very like true. this. Even if you get caught, uh, do a couple of months in jail, whatever. True. true. You know? Yep. You go to the Middle East... You go to like Saudi Arabia or the United Arab Emirates, you 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 lose hands. Yeah, you they lose don't a life. tolerate that. They don't tolerate it. Like your your luggage is safe. You ever you notice know? that the way they do law there is never brought up by our media? No. The severity and punishment? No. It, but we're too severe in punishment for stopping the border crisis. Yes. You are evil, wicked, severe legalist. A they, racist even. They are bastion of alternative culture. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Conservatives are getting swatted. Representative Brandon Williams, a Republican because, of course, family home was swatted on Christmas Day. Marjorie Taylor Greene was also swatted Christmas morning. She said this is the eighth time she's been swatted. Jack Probasek, uh, pro, uh, I'm sorry, Prosobek. <laughs> I spelled it wrong. My I'm bad. sorry. Parents were swatted on December 23rd. My argument... Give anybody who swats another person attempted murder charges. After all, the whole goal of swatting, you do it. <laughs> so what's swatting? <laughs> make, make, what? He writes these things, and it's like, dang, because it's sarcasm yet truth, and it's like, I just have to hear your inflection on it. So the whole goal of swatting, what is it? Making a hoax phone call to the police, knowing their procedure is to go heavy-handed in the house with the SWAT team. This will st- keep going until you start throwing the book at these people and showing them that trying to harm someone through the use of the police should be considered attempted murder. You start charging I agree. Charging these 17, 18-year-olds with attempted murder, they start thinking, okay, maybe that ain't worth it, right? Like, what's the goal of it? To Prosecution, hope- yeah. To- yeah. The, their goal is hopefully kill somebody. But what were they swatted you know? for? Because they're Republican. So what happens is a a I won't categorize it's always lefties, but in these situations, I'm assuming it's a lefty, <laughs> makes a hoax phone call, says so and so just deleted several people in the house and you know they're they're waving around it. So then what happens? They they give the address of the politician. So then the police station, thinking this is really going on, sends in the SWAT team. What does the SWAT team tend to do? Come in heavy-handed, kick down the door, shoot anybody that, that is moving. I'm not trying to make a judgment about police tactics and all that, but that's the hope of the hoaxer's phone call, is that SWAT team will go in heavy and kill people. Right. But at the very least, it's a very chaotic, stressful, dangerous situation that you're putting another person into, unsuspecting. That's why I say attempted murder. I, yeah, I do think they should be prosecuted for lying, some, some you know, uh, false accusation, false charges, uh, that kind of stuff, because you're wasting resources doing that if that's what happened. Uh, but also, too, it's like, that's it. That's it. I, I was trying to go with another line, but I'm like, you know, Bottom line is we got a weird freaking world out there, and it's just as bad as doing a bomb threat to me. If you're gonna exactly. do a, if you're gonna do a bomb threat, you and and it's false, you should be punished for that. Right. What you're doing is you could kill people doing that because they run out of a building or you don't whatever. know what's gonna happen. And yeah. people people in their panic and their heightened adrenaline and all of that, like they make mistakes. And the person that makes the phone call is so separated from all of it. They're just laughing. <laughs> That's why I say, look, what are you trying to do here? What's your goal? You're, oh, I was just messing around. Yeah, you almost got people killed, right? 
Yeah, and, when you start and, waving guns at people. And it's become a tactic for people to use in politically motivated situations, right? So these these conservatives are getting swatted right around Christmas. That's a political statement in my eyes. That's terrorism. Now you could call me you could call me exaggerating. All no, that. I agree. That, why not terrorism charges? What are you doing? You're terrorizing other people and using through the, the law force to of the do government. It. Yeah, like let's throw terrorism charges in there. The, we do it with bomb threats. They, they've started doing it with bomb threats. Why not with swatting? There's a whole different avenue. If if I make this call, I could get charged with terrorism. Ooh. Now are you sure you want to make that call? Right now, they don't even really go after these people. Right. I mean, how often do we really see somebody got charged with swatting? And at that point, it's it's a false police report. Falsifying a police report. Truth. Right? I I think they need to get the book thrown at them and that'll that'll stop this. Because this is this is getting dangerous and it's getting prolific. We've watched 100%. conservative commentators for the past how many years we've watched it happen through gaming and, and Xbox and all of that. Oh, I'm going to swat somebody. <laughs> and people have died from this. People have gotten killed because somebody swatted them because I don't like them or I didn't like what they said. So, wow. Yeah. Anyways, <sighs> this is a topic. The next, the last, the main one, the main here we go. When we talked about this, this is a topic that I've been kind of preaching on a little bit, mainly to myself. I think yeah. you know it's it's crucifying your flesh, getting rid of its desires, and 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 the importance of that. And I think um, the cool thing is the Bible um, when it talks about God's mercies are new every morning. You know. I think I preached on that. That's what's so cool about the Lord. His mercies are new every morning. His mercy isn't to get us to do what we want to do the next day. It's actually to show us pardon so that we learn to crucify the thing we did wrong, to, to put it to death. The Bible's chock full of statements like mortify the deeds of the body, mortify your members, crucify your flesh, take up your cross, deny yourself. And I think that's a... I think it's a topic that needs to be discussed. And, and I love churches that focus on things like blessing and like how God loves them and wants mercy for them. But when you get away from our responsibility in that whole equation of crucifying yourself, you lose the essence of what his mercy is to me, like his love, why he came and died. When you're led of the Spirit, you're not even thinking about these things. You want to mortify the deeds of the body. You want to say, no, Lord, I'm not perfected in you yet. I want to be perfected. Yeah. And so Galatians 2 says this, I'm crucified with Christ, Paul said. And he wrote this to the Galatians because, dude, they were, they were living in the flesh. They were, they were trying to take the gospel perfected in the flesh. Chapter 3 or 4 talks about that, you know, in, in chapter 5. Uh, but Galatians 2, I am crucified with Christ, Paul said. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And I think when you read that statement, he's basically saying, I'm dead to myself, I'm alive to righteousness. I'm dead to my ways, I'm crucified with Jesus. I put down my old body and I walk in the new. Um, and this is just a topic I think that I was like, you had, what brought it up was I said, I feel like I hit a reset button with Lord. I've probably done this before where my wife said, you know, what have you been praying for? I said, honestly, teach me to pray. Mm -hmm. Teach me to read again. Like anew, afresh. Mm -hmm. Teach me how to pray again. Teach me your way of doing something. I never want to get so in a routine and a rut where it's not, I'm not walking in the spirit. And I noticed it's not just him teaching me to pray. It's moments. Like, I feel like I'm just sitting down all of a sudden, pray, okay? You know, like, yeah. it's it's those little things and learning that voice again and, and learning, even if you have to discipline yourself to shut things off. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, my phone always goes off. You know this. Yours does, but you're never on it. So, like, he's really crucified himself to that thing. I don't even know why he has it. 
Because like when you try to reach out to him, you're not even there half the time, and that's a I, good thing. I get home and I set it on the counter to get away from it because I, I know in my own heart, right. my mind, how dangerous it is. Yeah. Right, and so I noticed myself being on there a lot, and mm-hmm. I was like, you know, so I download this app, and you may think this is this is a, a, a fleshy or works, and it actually shuts the apps off. Like you can't even do anything on any app during the work day, so it doesn't distract you, right? And, and I can set the time and all that stuff, but like I can't even distract myself anymore because distraction is the best way for you not to listen to the Holy Ghost. And, and it's those little things that, that I had to do. It's mortifying. I'm like, I got to crucify. You know, we're fasting in January, all of us as a church. I know what I'm going to do, how I have to do it. I pray I have the grace to do it. So you, and because I fasted before many times, and my body type is really tricky in, in, in you know, what I'm going through in my personal health walk is crazy. Spurgeon says this, how many personal pronouns of the first person are there in this verse? Are there not as many as eight? It swarms with I and me. The text deals not with the plural at all. It does not mention someone else nor a third party far away, but the apostle Paul treats of himself his own inner life, his own spiritual death, the love of Christ to him, and the great sacrifice Christ made for him, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is instructive, for it is a distinguishing mark of the Christian religion that it brings out a man's individuality. It does not make us selfish, on the contrary. It cures us of all that evil, or it cures us of, of that evil, but it still it does manifest in us a selfhood by which we become conscious of our personal individuality and eminent, in an eminent degree. And I love that. And I want you to expound on that, why yeah. you wrote that or why you put that in there. Because so, and I'll write what I have on this, but but I think that it was cool because I was thinking about crucified the flesh because we've talked a lot about this whole sanctification, consecration, crucifying and the flesh, And you do right? do your story because you brought that up to me. You're like, right. that feels like the process I just went through in the sanctifying, yes, consecrating it, stuff. And so we've talked about... I had major transition going on, and I'm still going through the transition, but I felt very called to go through the consecration process. What is that? You're crucifying the flesh. You're getting rid of old pieces of yourself. And um, just like the prayer thing, I, I feel like you're kind of going through that, that same consecration process of, okay, it's time to crucify the flesh. And the, it was interesting because I, I searched Spurgeon of crucifying the flesh, and this one resonated with me. Because he goes on to point out that in the Christian faith, the believer is an individual who is distinct but focused upon himself. We don't tend to teach that in Christianity. Why? We teach, it's all about Christ, it's nothing of me. Yes, however, this isn't out of pride but out of humility that we focus on ourselves. Crucifying our flesh means taking that observer's position and readily killing what is a holdover from our old self. And further down here... I say, oh, where is it? Because I I feel like I made a... Uh, I'll get there later. Anyways, to kind of... And and all of this is just notes for us to to play around with. But this idea of we don't tend to look at self, right, in, in terms of crucifying the flesh. But he points out, look, in Galatians 2, 20, Paul keeps bringing up I, 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 I. Why? Because Paul is recognizing... It's a personal relationship with Christ that I have to be observant of, and I have to be active in this process of crucifying the flesh, the sinful nature. <clears throat> and I think we've got to stop thinking that as soon as I'm saved, I'm good. I that, think that's the everything's best. good, dude. Listen, uh, he, he, I just want you to read because this is where I'm at in in my life. I see a lot of commentators commenting about depravity and total depravity, and like. A very Calvinistic, very Calvinistic, mindset. and that's cool. Like, do you? But he said in here, and I want you guys to hear this because I have felt this in my Christian walk so many times. I understand the principles of the gospel. I understand the principles of the the Word of God and the character. But to truly feel it, he's saying, you know, you know nothing about conversion if you merely believe in human depravity and human ruin. But I've never felt that you are depraved and you are you yourself are ruined. That is not an emotional thing. That is no. a truly looking at yourself in the lens of God and looking in the mirror of the law of God and saying, I am truly nothing without Christ. 
It's not a poor me, Lord, I'm in a trial. It's not, nothing like that. It's even when you're not in a trial, knowing your depravity without God. Not I'm not talking about you're not saved. I'm not talking about you're eternally. I'm not talking that. It's recognizing your position with God. The fact that you had mercy on me, Lord, proves to me that you love me. It shows me love that I don't even want to say you've forgiven my future sins, though it could be true. That could be taken as a grace grace, like I can do what I want. God's going to forgive me. But truly, you have pardoned me. Truly, you've accepted me into the kingdom. Truly, you've done this. Therefore, why would I want to come in any other way? Why would I want to come in any other way? Why would I want to be a thief? Nice. What? I need to go through the door of Jesus. How do you do that? If Christ denied himself, and I was thinking about this. I've been reading through Luke real slow. I talked to yeah. you about this. I'm on chapter five. That's how slow I'm reading, and it's been a week. But I'm looking at Christ and all the things that he did and how well-versed he was. When he was tempted of the enemy, when he was tempted of the devil for 40 days, 40 nights, it took me back to Moses in 40 days and 40 nights before he wrote the tablets of stone. Funny, he writes the tablets of stone. Satan tempts God with, the, with those basic commandments. You know what I mean? To, to, yeah. And, and, and you saw Moses had to go through his hell. Christ had to go through the temptation to understand how to overcome, to teach us to overcome the temptation. Did it through the word, right? Then after that, he goes to the temple and the synagogue to go teach. And the Bible says, as was custom, his custom, he read out of the, the Torah, the book. So then they pull out the book of Isaiah, and he goes and finds the passage he's looking for. I, you know, I'm sent here for the good news, to preaching the good news, to, to heal the brokenhearted, to bind up those who are broken, all that stuff. So he goes, I'm here to proclaim the good news of the gospel. That is me. That is what I'm doing. But I want you to see something. He was well-versed in the Word. That is called disciplines. That's called denying yourself. He's in the wilderness, tempted as he's fasting. That is denial of self. He had an incredible prayer life. He would go away at times in the mountain by himself to pray. He taught his disciples to pray. There were incredible disciplines that Jesus himself had. So if we're crucified with Christ, why wouldn't we have those same disciplines? If we're truly crucified and resurrected in him, he will show us to be just like him. We need to crucify ourselves to look more like Jesus. Now, some would consider that works. Some would consider, well, if that means I've just got to die. Then it turns into works, like you're trying to do it. All you have to do is submit to the Spirit, and he'll tell you how to do it. I find that when I read, if I read slow, I always have agenda, and we've all probably done it. You, you Sometimes we read the word for an agenda. I need a sermon. Okay, so <laughs> like, let me just figure out in Scripture where I'm going to go, and then all of a sudden you find it, and God is faithful. Thank you, Jesus. He, even through my weakness, he'll come through, and, and, and it'll happen. I find that when I just read to read, all these things happen. All these things happen. We're going to do a whole thing on women in the pulpit one day because I just see so many cool things that the Lord brought through for that topic. He didn't choose them because they were genders. He chose them because they were chosen. And I love that about the Lord. That's equality to me, man. He don't care about none of that other stuff. Here, when we're talking about denying the flesh and crucifying your flesh, I think it's something every Christian needs to go through consistently. I think we need to analyze ourselves to see if we're really denying ourselves and we're walking in the Spirit. And if you're truly walking in the Spirit, thank you, Jesus, he won't lead you to sin. If you find yourself in sin, you're probably not denying yourself. If you find yourself in apathy, you're probably not denying yourself. If you're, if you're finding yourself uh, going through the motions, you're probably not denying yourself. If you find yourself uh, not loving your neighbor, you're probably not denying yourself. If you find yourself... Uh, being legalistic about things, you're probably not denying yourself because it should all be an outflow of the Spirit. He taught us how to love our neighbor. He taught us to deny ourselves. He taught us the Word of God and the Spirit of God and all these things, right? Therefore, we have to acknowledge that. We have to figure out a way to acknowledge that and to walk in holiness and purity. Yeah. I'd, oh, man, there's so many places I know, to dude. go. This, I, this should be like a four-hour topic. But it's your testimony, too. Like, you right. just went through it. I'm going right. through it again. And you it's, it's I, I want to speak to that more fundamentalist, Calvinist mindset for a second, because what I love is Spurgeon's pointing this out of, look, you know nothing of conversion if you merely believe in human depravity. Now, you can say, I don't just believe it. I know it, but 
But isn't it funny that the conversation, if your conversation always revolves around the depravity of others, you're not self-focused. You're not recognizing your own depravity. You're measuring others in that judgment of we're all depraved. That's good. Right? Because if, if you actually get humble and you're recognizing self, you're actually understanding your own depravity, you're actually having compassion on other people because you're like, I know where I'm at. I totally understand where you guys are at. Lord, we need you. But when you turn it on others, and, and I talk about this of it's got to be individual, and, and I, I pointed this out to Melissa when I figured this out. It was like, oh, this is good. This is good. She's like, yeah, okay, that's cool, whatever. Um, <laughs> She's good at My that. wife supports me. She, yeah. Un- unfortunately, so this is this last main page okay. down towards the bottom. Unfortunately, we place so much of our faith position or status on family, denomination, church health, or group setting. Oof. We're not individual. It's all about, well, my family is Christian, so therefore I'm Christian. Our place with God is circumstantial. It's circumstantial. Our, our denomination is in the right direction, so I'm good. My church is really good, or my church is healthy, so therefore I'm good. We place all of our measurement a lot of it, yeah. uh, on, on the group. <clears throat> now, what yep. happens? If we are a part of this family, denomination, or body, then all is well. We have unified with the healthy and faithful. Our introspection becomes criticism, defending the supposed health of those around us. Why? Because we rely on their health for our relationship with the Lord. This is why we get so defensive over our denomination or our church or our family or our direction or our beliefs, because we're actually putting it on everybody else and saying, well, I'm a part of this, therefore I'm healthy. You're diminishing your own relationship with the Lord, and you become critical of everybody else because you're saying, well, I'm part of the in-group, so therefore everybody else is not part of the in-group. That's why you get this depravity message that gets so out of whack because what we do is we say, everybody else is depraved. We tell ourselves we don't do that, but that's what we do. I'm healthy. Everybody else is depraved, right? Whereas if you would look at it and go, my relationship isn't through my church or my denomination or my family. My relationship with God is through me, and you recognize your own depravity, you sit quiet. You go, I got a lot to work on. I know, dude. And I see as I'm working on it, I want you to join this journey with me and work on yours too. Yeah. We can poke fun and say, you know, like there's there's these YouTubers, and I see them all the time, because I like some of the teaching of the Calvinists, I'm not a full-on Calvinist, but I like their teaching of strictness of the Scriptures and, and that grace is not slippery. It's, right. it's, they, it's an empowerment, and they do do well at that. They want to uphold righteousness. They do, and they do it with their heart. But some of them go off the fray and nitpick every preacher, and it's like, dude... Everybody's false prophet. Everybody's false Dude, teacher. yeah, because they don't preach on a topic that is about Jesus. They just preach on a certain topic. And what's frustrating is it's like, dude, we're all different in how we preach. Just because Homeboy was preaching on a subject of money and how to be a steward of money and Jesus wasn't mentioned, he's a false guy? When he's trying to teach how to live every single day as a steward of God? Because, hey, that's probably where his mindset is. He's probably one of those guys that'd be really good at business and he's trying to teach everybody how to live uh, economically sound and well and all these other things. It's just so weird. Now, there are some who are, I get it, they're heretics, they shouldn't be preaching this stuff. Some of the stuff they take so out of context. And 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 I get it, if that's not your cup of tea, so let it not be your cup of tea, right? But how do you know they're not being discipled on the other end? So he may preach that, but dude, at night, they go back for their discipleship classes that really hone in on the spiritual side right. of like what they're doing as a, as, a, as a church body. And up there, he just decided to teach on something that was completely off, you know, that, that isn't maybe... Because it is gospel-centered. <clears throat> we represent Christ on earth. We're ambassadors. Well, how do we steward? Right. You see what I'm saying? How many people are out there right now in those churches that solely preach Jesus, which is great. I love that. And I've been in many churches like that and been a part of those churches. But I had no idea about financial process. I had no idea about... some That should be discipleship, not a sermon. <laughs> Isn't that what sermons are supposed to be? Bro, is sermons are so... continuing discipleship? <laughs> the, the founding fathers back in the day listened to sermons about government all the time. You know what I mean? And, and, and the Bible and what it did, what it would talk about. And all those things. 
why does it have to be and or? Right. Why can't it just be, hey, man, I get it. That ain't my flow. I see for the most part you love Jesus. You love the people. This is what you're doing. But they become the judges of something that they themselves don't even know how compassion works. So they go off and automatically judge another, and that's bull. And we look at Christ, Christ, our high priest, who suffered all things, yet did not sin. Why? Right. So that he could sympathize with us. He could understand us, right? So if he, if the result of him going through all of that was compassion, mercy, grace, understanding, then we all the more, when we see these issues, should have compassion and grace. Hey, I see where your head's at. This is where we need to go. And I think what happens is we get so, this is going to sound bad, but ride with me through this. We get so Christ-centered, we forget ourselves in a humility. And, and I use this example. Our crucifying of the flesh is something we talk about often, but it bears repeating because the sinful nature rears itself up again and again, not because of its apparent power, but because we must be sanctified through and through. Hear this analogy. The work of Christ was just the beginning of our journey. Our salvation was merely that step into the operating room where Christ, for a lifetime, pokes, prods, and tears at all of our flesh. The difference is we are awake for the surgery. And if we do not trust the surgeon, we have the ability to get off the table and leave in our hospital gown. Some try to stop the hand of the surgeon, wow. <clears throat> telling him not to poke there, not to pull that piece out. We think we know better, and we actively twist and fight against it. The true man allows the surgeon to talk and discuss with him. The surgeon does not go against our will, and if we put our hand over a spot, he may not be able to do what he needs to do. That's good. You're a part of the surgery that Christ is doing. So when we say, it's all Christ, it's nothing of me, I can't do anything, I'll just sit here. What you're actually doing is, I'm going to protect myself from anything Christ wants to do in terms of cutting off the flesh within right, us. Right, right, right. He cuts yeah. off everything, man. Attitudes, judgments, perceptions. Um, <clears throat> I noticed uh, my own life going through some things. You're going through some things, <laughs> some transitions. I'm realizing things I'd get frustrated about. The Lord would tell me, what are you mad for? Why are you mad at that? Yeah. What are you doing? Like, I, there, There's no reason to be angry with that right now. You're not looking at this through spiritual eyes. You're looking at it through flesh. Right. When I looked at it through spiritual eyes, I was like, oh, I get it. I understand what you're doing now. I get it. So now I have to go back and say, okay, I was emotional about that. Let's, let's not, let's, I was caught up in the flesh there. I completely apologize. Wrong of me to do. We're going to pray about this and we're going to see what God does. Because truly, if you really belong to Christ, you shouldn't be easily angered when things happen. And sometimes in the consecration process, everything bothers you because you're trying to be pure and you're trying to pray. And you're just, I just want to crucify so bad. And then your kid comes like, dad. And you're like, shut up. I'm trying to pray. And you're like, that just was flesh. Dude, it's so true. Right? It's like so sometimes true. in these processes when he's pruning you, you want to prune others because it hurts or it yeah. sucks or it's like, I'm not at peace. I'm not satisfied. I don't understand why this is happening. And nothing makes sense. Nothing. Nothing makes sense. You thought you were on a good path, and you're like, okay, now everything's upended. What the flip? You know, why is this happening? And then you realize more and more, like, dang, it's supposed to be this way. Yeah. It's supposed to be where I don't trust in myself. It's supposed to be a walk of faith. I'm not talking about not being solidified. I believe God gives us houses to be solidified. I believe he gives us ministries or businesses or callings or work or jobs or whatever to be solidified so that we can provide. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about plans. God knows how to upend plans and create them. God knows what he's doing from the beginning to end. And when we realize, dude, he's got our story, he's the one who authors and finishes, we would be, I think, more apt to accept the weird things and the good things and the bad things. You know what I mean? I don't like the bad things, guys. I, I, I just said it to a friend. I, 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 there were times I wouldn't pray for the hard things because I just don't know if I could bear the loss. You didn't want to go through it. Yeah. I, to, I know that feeling, man. And you're like... Because when people say, I'll just do anything with me, Lord, just kill me, crucify me, blah. It's like, yeah, I love you, man. That's what I would say. Like, right. I love you, do you, and Lord, you've got to teach me to deny that part of myself if that's the way I'm supposed to go. 
But then there are some who are just immature that pray that crap, and they're not ready for what's coming. They're not mm-hmm. ready for that trial. They're not ready for that thing. And God will have his way with them. I believe there's always good that happens. But, dude, it's like, I'm just being honest, man. Could I handle loss? Could I handle those kind of things, you know? And it's like, Lord, if that's something that's got to die, okay. Thank you for your mercy, though. Thank you that you've not taken away things that would seriously, I I, I don't know, to lose things or people that he's put in my life. I should say people. It's not things. I've lost everything and gained everything and lost everything again and gained it. It's people, and I've seen that so many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Carrie going through sickness, I was beside myself. You know, it's like, not because I didn't believe he couldn't heal her, but because it's like, what if? The what if happened? And I realized at that moment, I'm not dead to myself. I'm not trusting. So I need to trust. And it's the best of us, dude. Just, just being honest. It always hits us where we don't recognize the issue. Yeah, we weren't right? expecting it. We weren't yeah. expecting that. And the, you know what and, I mean? And I think if we use the surgery analogy, that's that's akin to Christ saying, okay, I got to cut this out. Whoa, 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 whoa. We didn't... Your we, attachment. We didn't, we, yeah, yeah, we didn't dude. talk about that. Why Why are you going there? There's nothing wrong with that. We, I know. We do that so often. <laughs> and and we've pointed out, look, pride will come in through that, that back door, if you will. When you get defensive against a certain type of sin or a certain direction, beware, because pride and sin will come in through another way. Because you get your focus this going this way, and then all of a sudden this hits from the side. So what we do is we're like, okay, what does it look like for me to be crucified in the flesh and totally sold out for Christ? Right. Well, I'll give up my finances to the Lord. And then all of a sudden sickness hits. Yep, dude. Whoa, whoa, whoa. we didn't talk about that side of things, Lord. Man, and yeah, that's hard, dude. That's really hard. And and those are the things where you, you have to really go before the Lord and say, Lord, I think I am attached to the flesh. I think I see it, and I'm scared. But you told me to the trust most you. real prayer. You told me to trust anyway. You told me to not lean on my own understanding. It's, 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 it's difficult to talk about it, but... I've seen so much good fruit from people who have gone through the hard stuff. And I've gone through much, many things that are tough. I'm not saying I haven't or I shy away from it. Um, But I think in the pursuit of finding Jesus, he's the one telling you to deny. Mm -hmm. I give, I've got everything in tow, and you'll find more glory in me when you go through trial. You find more patience. You find more, um, and it's 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 hard. It's tricky, you know. But I see to the benefit of denying, and so it's it's hard, man. It's hard. And and I, I look at my boys and I think about man, I want to see them grow up and be young men, you know. But I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know if I go walk outside, I get hit by a bus. What am I supposed to do? I don't know. And that's been something that's been weighing on me lately. And maybe it's just a sign of getting older. But I've had to have long prayers of the Lord of like, Lord, I've got to trust you with the family. Because I, I noticed that's kind of a stronghold of like, do I trust him? Ah, right? Because you, you see you how, much, both, man. how much damage gets done yeah, if, bro. say, a father dies early. And I, I'm not speaking that over myself. Look, let's, let's have a conversation without all the... Anyways, I think about that, and I think about my boys, and it's yeah. like, they won't understand... They won't have full context, Lord. And I realize, ooh, there it is. I'm struggling to trust you with raising them. Totally. Totally, 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 totally. That's exactly what it is. We make the excuse of, but Lord, they're going to, who's going to raise them? <laughs> I, I, I have to trust Scripture that he would do it. You know, that, that, that he would be the one. That would lead them. When my father and mother forsook me, you took me up, right? I'm not saying I forsake if I die, but didn't he call them to be a part of this earth? Didn't he anoint them? Didn't he pick them? If they're truly chosen, they'll be his. Then no matter what happens, can I trust that? (laughs) I say yes with a lot of trepidation, you know, and I'm trying to learn to get rid of that. I'm just being honest, y'all. It's very hard 
to trust that way. And I've got to know, as for me and my house, right? As for me and my house, I'll serve. Uh, that I must decrease, that he might increase. I have to trust that all things work together for good. I have to trust that. I pray and hope. It's it's a weird paradox sure because you, is, you have dude. to zero in on yourself and realize that it's not about yourself. Yeah. And f- using this example of, of what you and I deal with in terms of coming to that trust of the Lord, we've got to become better patriarchs of our families yeah. by pointing them to Christ and recognizing our weakness of we can't do it, but you totally. can. Totally, right? Totally. Like it's, it's that leadership to where you're not the leader. It's so weird because we, I keep going back to this because I want to get it across to people of we tend to think I'm self-focused, therefore I'm prideful and selfish. I need to be humble and not observe myself. But the problem is what we're actually doing is we're denying the opportunity for Christ to do work in us because we're not recognizing our Truth. depraved state. Truth. When we recognize our depraved state, we're self-focused. With humility of understanding Christ is perfect, we're not. Truth. 100%. I'm depraved. He's perfect. He's the one who's going to do the work in me. I have to let 100. him do it. And when he points it out, I have to be self-aware enough to say, I see that, Lord. I don't like it. It's going to hurt, but rip it out of me. You're pointing it out. 100%. Take it, Lord. God. Because it's so easy to build that wall, and the Lord can point it out. He's like, huh? I'm serving you, right, Lord. Right, I'm right, serving right, you. right, 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 right. And true trust is trust. Man, that hurts. I don't know what you're doing. I don't understand it, but, but I, I trust. trust. You're pointing something out in me, Lord. Dude. Let's do it. It's hard to to to, to do that. It's so crazy. He tells me to step out and start a ministry. I'm like, okay. Touch my wife and kids. Oh, man. I'm not saying, you know what I mean by that. I'm saying anything happens to my wife and kids. I'm like, dude, what? You know, like there's, there's things. And I... A lot of it may have to do with our past, like our upbringings and, and things like that. And seasons come and seasons go, so jobs aren't very hard for me either. But I think there's something to do with that family, and it's like, Lord, I just desire what you've given me. And then you realize, if you truly do desire it, then how come you don't sacrifice more for them? How come you don't do more for them? How come you're not, you know what I mean? Yeah. You get caught up in ministry and this crap, you know, and you're, you know what I mean? So like, do you really... Like, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Or is it the idea of it? There's all these things, and it's all sanctifying. It's all, Lord, examine my heart. Psalm 138, know me and try my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way within in me and lead me to life everlasting. Search me, Lord. Search me. I see it every freaking day, what my wicked, I see it. I know it, but search me, because when you point it out to me, it's not me just acknowledging that I'm depraved, it's knowing I'm depraved without you. I don't have any weak. There's wickedness in me, dude. Flesh. Deny. Walk in righteousness. Walk in holiness. Walk in purity. Dude, I was writing that sermon for Sunday. You know. Yeah. And I realized there are parts in there where I'm like, okay, is I started asking questions. I'm like, they were tough questions. But then I realized, are you like this? Cool. The mercy of Christ. When I added that, I'm like, that's the gospel. Yeah. That's the gospel. That's what I was missing in the sermon. I didn't realize it as I'm writing it, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm like, these are hard questions that I want to ask myself. And I realized the reason I wrote it that way is because that's how I treat myself. I don't ever look to the mercy of Christ. I look at the depravity of me. Right. I try to find every wrong thing. And that's a wrong way to look at God, too. That's a whole other podcast, the view of Christ. Once I started writing that, I'm like, if there is something wrong, the the blood of Jesus co- you know, covers a multitude of sins that love... Uh, if 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 you're not this cool, then the power of God wants to restore that. You see what I'm saying? Healed, right? It's the mercy side of yeah. God that's like, wow. That's so, the love side, I should say. So let's let's run with this this surgeon analogy. The surgeon points out all the issues, right? Points out the problems, but it's the love, compassion, mercy, and grace of the surgeon that goes, let's heal you, right? right? Christ is our healer. The letter to the church of Laodicea, come to me to be healed. You're sick. You don't even realize it. Come and get healed. Get solved for your eyes, right? You're pointing out 
that depravity message is useful as long as it's given in the context of, okay, what's the solution? Christ is the healer. Go to Christ. Now, we can say it in our words. We can say, yeah, we're all depraved and only Christ. But the problem is there's, there's, we still draw that separation where it's like, he's the healer because I'm depraved. He's going to heal because I'm so depraved. Right. You know, and you live in that depraved state instead of saying, I've got a lot of cancer in my body. Get me on that operating table and Lord, do your work. You're talking allegorically there on that cancer thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Stop speaking it over your t- there, there are charismatics listening right Man, now. Going, bro, like, don't say that. Like, yeah, but me but too. The, I'm like, the, okay. The cancer of sin. That's why this whole crucify your flesh, because I I think also one of the other and I go through this. We tend to think that crucifying, well, the flesh, I'm saved, therefore my flesh is renewed, it's put to death. I say, Christ says, follow me, he does not stand here as mine. There's a big difference. 100%. He doesn't say, well, stand there, you're mine now. Totally, man. Follow me. Now, why is that? It means our job is not to become saved through a prayer, but to become disciples who are not our own. Our lives are not our own. Our bodies are not our own, just as our spouse's body is not their own, nor our own body our own. Our hearts are not our own. Our flesh is not our own. If Christ was crucified completely and his entire body was killed, then so should our own. We are baptized precisely because we are crucified with him and raised anew. Now, this imagery is difficult for some people. If we've been saved and baptized, then why would our flesh either not be perfect or need to be perfected? Hasn't all the flesh died? It is appointed for every man to die once. In this is the physical death. However, our soul does not die in the physical death. It dies in separation from God. What does this mean? Our physical baptism is a symbol of a spiritual truth. The crucifying that happens is a crucifying of our soul, which then radiates outwards. We're learning what it means to live a spiritual life and to consecrate the flesh. This is the crucifying of the flesh. The separating of the old flesh, the old physical, the old nature out of our members by way of the heart. Now remember, it is not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out is out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. It is the lusting or hate in a man's heart that is sin. Our crucifying of the flesh involves the spiritual cleansing so necessary that only the Holy Spirit and through unity the Father and Jesus can provide. Truth, man. What what are you saying, Mike? We look at crucifying of the flesh and we tend to think, I I don't want to lust after women anymore. What we don't realize is actually going on in the crucifying of the flesh is the old flesh has died, so now your soul has to get its orders from the spirit, not the flesh. You're bringing the flesh under subjection. You're killing or crucifying the flesh. You're killing it off. You're dying to the members of yourself, as in you're not listening to those members anymore. But guess what? It's the heart that has to get crucified, because if the heart is not in subjection to the Holy Spirit, the heart will always listen to the flesh. Truth. So you have to subject the heart to the crucifying. That's where the real crucifying of the flesh happens, is you go in your heart... I'm lusting and hating, and, and I'm, I'm greedy, and I'm covetous. This is why Paul says, look, all the commandments I upheld those until I realized thou shalt not covet, and I realized it's a heart issue. That's when he understood, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, it's not just physical. That's what the Pharisees yeah, got wrong. That's what he said in Romans. Heart. He said in Romans 7, the law made my sin exceeding sinful. I saw the heart issue behind breaking a law, not just breaking the law itself, it's the. I think that's what makes murder so heinous. It's the meditation of what you're gonna do. It made it that far where it's in your psyche that you go. It's not just pulling a trigger and killing people. That's how the media has desensitized us about mm-hmm. murder. They, they've turned it into a purely physical action. It, yeah, and it's not. It's not no longer this. The 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 meditation it took and knowing you're gonna go in there and take people's lives has so entered you that now it made it normal. Sin became normal. That's what happens in a flesh individual, in a person who's not converted by Jesus. Sin is just normal. Do you notice with Cain, God tells him, look, sin is crouching at your door. Why? Because God saw the anger in Cain's heart. God saw the source of it. 
God knew what was going to happen. He knew Cain was going to kill Abel. But he's pointing out sin is crouching at your door because your heart That's right. is wrong. That's right. If you don't crucify your heart, you, you, you can't walk it out. And when we start to realize what is the crucifying of the flesh, it's the crucifying of the heart. Wow. It's, it's not the, the blocking. Of, this is where legalism happens. Right. Legalism is the outward in. Legalism is if I stop the adulterous affair, then I'm, I'm saved. I'm good. I'm okay. And your heart still continues to lust. That's why Christ was pointing out to the Pharisees, whitewashed tombs. Truth, man. You guys aren't crucified in your hearts. You're just acting it out in your out. That's why it says, look, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out of him that's defiling <coughs> right, him. Right, right. It's what's coming out of your heart. This is why the only one who can show you what's truly in your heart is God. You know, you look at... I'm just using this as a natural analogy, and I'll Go end here. It. I love, like, customization of cars. I've like talked yeah. about it before. And you notice when they do, like, a, like a half-crack paint job, you know... They don't scuff the paint. They don't do anything. They just put paint over it. And in two years, it fades. And, you know, we call that the the cheap paint job. I mean, it's 800 bucks or whatever, and they just put paint over paint. I've noticed, dude, and I don't know why, but I keep watching these guys and how they paint, like on YouTube and stuff. The real guys take the old paint and strip, and they just sand and sand. They do the hard sand. work. They get rid of the old look. They have to... Take dents out, bond the whole thing, <coughs> sand it to perfection, and get it to where the sanding is what adheres the primer. Then they do that to the primer, then it adheres the paint. And I'm thinking that process of making that paint look so good to last for a long time was the stripping and the stripping, where you the old paint job is no longer recognizable, right? It's not even like what what color was it? They stripped it so so far down to adhere the new stuff, right? That's Christianity. And sometimes we've we don't we don't protect our paint. That's such a dumb analogy. But it's like No, it's good. It's, it's so like, true. It's like we don't protect ourselves, so we allow the elements to come and take us. And you'll lose your sheen after a while. And then you'll, you know, a couple of weeks you just go through the car wash, but you don't realize all the brush marks that happen. Then you take it to a detailer. That detailer says, Man, this looks nasty. Let me fix it. So he goes, then he buffs the paint, gets that whole thing corrected. It looks shiny, spotless. Rims come back to original state. And if we don't recognize that that can continuously happen, that we have to keep taking care of it, it'll look like its old self all the time. It gets worse and worse and worse. It's an issue of stewardship of our own lives. It's an issue of taking care of what God has given us. It's all that stuff. It's literally the same with the body. If we don't realize that it could end up being that way, if we don't continuously upkeep knowing that our paint is depraved because of the elements, basically. You can physically just wash it, and it looks good. After so many washes like that and not taking care of the paint, it gets worse and worse, and it actually takes the clear coat off. and It's crazy, right? But the process of making something look so beautiful is so tedious. So tedious. What makes us think that our inwards don't deserve that kind of scrubbing, that kind of sanding, that kind of, you know... I think that's why few are those who... Find, find, the, find the narrow way. Because there are so few people who are willing to do that heart position, to accept that heart position of, it's my heart that has to get buffed out Truth, and stripped and, and redone and bondoed, right? So in that conversion process, it's the heart. We're, we're, we're born again with the Holy Spirit. And the heart position changes to where it's like, okay, now the Holy Spirit can actually do work. Because before that, it's literally just covering over. Well, just put another coat. Put another yeah. coat. And that's that's what that physical, pharisaical legalism is, is just put another coat. Put another coat. If I give more money, if I don't commit adultery on my wife, if I don't murder a friend, like... It's actually painting your car and keeping it in the dark, not in the light. Yeah. So, like, painting a crappy paint job looks great in the dark, right? Yep. But when you put it to the light, you see everything and dude. the thing is people don't even realize that they notice the difference until you put like a supremely beautiful paint job next to a crappy run-of-the-mill 
cover over it paint job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You may not they realize They look similar. It. They look similar until until you compare them. And you're like, I... And you put the light on them. I see it. <laughs> right. You, you look at the paint jobs on a $2 million car, that paint job, there is something different about it. And so when people point the finger, all oh, Christians are hypocrites and blah, 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 well, hold on. <laughs> Easy. Easy now. Let's draw a comparison of who the person was before to who they are now. Maybe that paint job is beautiful compared to what they were. And we don't, we That's don't, good, dude. we don't, I love that analogy because it's so true. We don't, That's so good. we don't allow the details. Yeah. We think if I just cover over it, it's fine. And you, I think one of the things you love about restoration is a great restoration is meticulous about the details. Gosh, dude. It's so meticulous. Like if you're looking at shoes getting restored, it's not the guy just goes, <laughs> good. He's in there with the brush into all the cracks. He's getting all the dirt. He's going through all the steps. He's he's taking yeah, his time. Yeah, I appreciate the art of it because, dude, they strip everything down to bare metal. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, it's great. But then they send it to the sandblaster, and it reveals all the rust. And you're like, right. dang, I got to replace all the panels. And the, 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 the constant thing it takes to restore to brand new should convict us. It's like right. restoration was not just Jesus dying on the cross, the blood, bam, I believe. It is this restoration of our, like, all things old have passed away, behold, all things become new. Ooh, good. I'm becoming new all the time. It's like he's stripping us down all the way to bare metal, exposing who we really are, where the rust spots are, where the areas weren't treated, um, the crooked body lines, all that stuff he's exposing. And I'm looking at the beautiful art of restoration and why it takes so long to restore something. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because of the tediousness, because it has to be perfect. I've seen episodes of shows that a guy will do a paint job and all of a sudden two panels are off, strip the whole thing down and redo it. Do you know how long that takes to cure and to do? But just the mentality of making something we think is beautiful and perfect, and here Christ is doing that to you. And we can't overlook those steps you can put new carpet in the floor on the floorboard of a car, but if you're not patching up those holes and you know That's rust great. treating that bottom, all you did was put carpet, and eventually the water will bleed through the carpet, and your old nature's still there. So your legalism is, hey, I put new carpet, looks great, doesn't it? But you didn't fix the below, and eventually your foot goes through the floorboard because it's rusty. Be very wary of compromising 100 percent, man that that compromise will that come back to bite you in the butt and oh, yeah. and how many times i i know i speak for myself and i'll wrap this up and i'm sure for you we did the cheap compromise just, i'll just it'll be fine and then it bites you in the butt later on because it's dude. like i should have just spent the money and done it right the first time <laughs> i know i should have done it yeah why didn't i why didn't, why I? didn't I do it yeah yep I think, too, that's why it's so dangerous to get into ministry so young. Yes. Go through the processes before, because you're called, but it doesn't mean it's now. Take some time. Sift with the elders. Learn. Learn. Find those people who are credible in your life, who are have the fruit. Sit under them. You know, dude, I'm 42, almost 43 here, coming up very soon in a month. And I'm realizing, dude, I am so young. You know what I mean? What do I really know? What right. do I really know? You right. know what I mean? Gosh. And then I go and talk to my mentors, and I'm like, hey, can I be your understudy? And he's like, man, yeah, but I'm not very organized. It's like, I don't care. I just want to learn. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know something I don't. Yeah. Like, I, And thank God for mentors and those who are elders in the faith who are our teachers and yep. who we submit to. But, ah, dude, why now? Like, you see the effect of being young in ministry. And I think, too, I don't want to speak this. In the wrong ways, because I don't know the whole details, but Mike Bickle, that happened when he was younger, I'm sure, like all the stuff that's yeah. being accused. What if we'd have just waited a little longer and just got that crap out before you got in? I'm not saying you're going to be perfect in ministry. You're going to screw up. You're going to say dumb things. I've definitely done it. I've definitely responded in the flesh to a lot of the comments that we've had, you know, in the past and, you know, reacted in the flesh and those kind of things. And, and I think that's the sign of maturity is I don't want to react. I want to be led to respond, Oof. not react. I want be to be able led to respond. Yeah, and a lot of that is Holy crucifying Spirit yourself every, every single moment. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so hope you got something out of it. 
I know we did. <laughs> yeah, because we're going through it. We're sifting right now. Right. We're like, holy crap. You know, there's there's so much to this that I wish I had a grip on, and yeah. I'm still learning. And I, I, you know, we've done a couple of messages similar to this, and I think every time it's us grasping a new aspect of it God, and dude, understanding the journey, it. Yeah, the journey of sanctifying. Anyway, anyways, guys, we love y'all. Theselfevidenttruth.com. So Give to the year end because it's not the year end yet. We it's only got almost, a few more days. Well, it, this is on Monday. I think it is in the new year, but it, we'll post whatever, the, whatever. Just give, buy, be a greedy capitalist like you're supposed to. Nikki Haley says to, allegedly. Right. <laughs> Always trust them. Yes. Anyways. Love you. Love you guys. See you Friday.